Well, hello once again, everybody. Welcome to After Further Review with Mark Ferreira and John Pelkey. Jeff Taylor on the board and hanging at the beach. We'll get to the bottom of that in just a couple of minutes. Got a good show on tap for you today. Uh, despite Mark and my earlier conversation, which we'll talk to you about, where I was, uh, I'd lost all hope in coming up with anything to talk about and uh, have, have laid down the law on things I won't talk about. As it is, we're talking a little about Bryce Harper's really, really entertaining Instagram post about how he thinks baseball should move forward. We have a potpourri segment because, again, I couldn't come up with any second topic that I wanted to talk about. And if anybody mentions the last dance on this show, that will be the end of After Further Review. Also going to talk a little bit later, much to Mark's chagrin, about broadcast (laughs) and broadcasting sports. We, of course, have progressive trivia. We'll talk about our poll this week on what the most heartbreaking uh, game. And I want to add to that, Mark. You did a great video, uh, a live thing of, say, best game. But I think we could throw series in there as well because I talked about uh, mine is actually a full world series, which is probably the most. Yeah. And uh, and that's it. But but first of all, Mark, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I was uh, it's always entertaining when it's your day to drive the show. And uh, I can just kind of sit back and, and, and wait on what you want to do, what kind of pretzels shapes you're going to spin yourself into, and, and what kind of rants you get on, because the pressure's off of me. You've got to make the call. Right. And um, it, was, it was pretty funny the way you went off on, <laughs> on the coverage of the last dance. You, you went off on that, and you went off on, on other tributarial coverage points as well and i i got a kick out of it yeah i can imagine it was uh, that wasn't really what set me off i mean i i i I think the discussion around what is a fabulous documentary has obviously been you know probably three times what it normally would have been because there are no live sports to talk about but i just can't dive in anymore i'll just leave it at this mark it is a terrific documentary it uh you don't want to talk about horse grant (laughs) don't you don't you dare don't you dare uh it's terrific it opens up a lot of questions there's many things we can talk about so why don't we wait until everyone on earth has seen it and then we will talk about it again but not before then i mentioned jeff taylor is at is 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 at the beach jeff break it down what's happening how did you leave town and should we alert the authorities to drag you back here no, uh, my mother has a condominium out here at New Smyrna Beach, and uh, she's coming over Listen here to on money, Saturday. I know. Uh, well, you know, the club was all booked, so I had to use the condo at the beach. <laughs> she's coming out here Saturday, and uh, my aunt from Georgia is going to be, by the way, Georgia, when I say Georgia, I mean like in the middle of the mountains, Georgia. So uh, she's social distanced. Ellen, Blood Mountain no, uh, area. Helen, Helen is exactly. Okay. Yeah, they. If you look out their back nice. window, you see Blood Mountain. So okay, uh, I, I know it well. Do you I know, know it Lake well. Burton? Great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a couple of years ago, the, my wife and I, our very first vacation that we went on together, um, other than like a weekend over St. Augustine, is we drove up to Atlanta to see a Redskins Falcons game, and then we went on to Blood Mountain and Helen for uh five four or five days and then just recently a couple of years ago we went up there's a beautiful beautiful area of the country if you live here in the central florida area or anywhere in florida it's really kind of the closest you can get to re- a really hilly 
slash mountainy because I know when you say mountains, everybody out in Colorado goes, you call that a mountain? And I'm not sure yes, that's a Colorado we accent. Do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. But beautiful yes. area. The, uh, so the hills the, of Tallahassee are we, mountains to Floridians. We go to Lake Burton yearly. We we rent a house Excellent. on the lake, and uh, all of the family gets together. We typically do it in June. We may be pushing to July this year. But uh, sure. anyway, um, there come there. My aunt's going to be meeting my mother here at the beach on Saturday, and she wanted to see the baby. So I said uh, we would come, and and it was available from today until Saturday. So my wife that's and I awesome. are taking advantage of. Some some uh, some social distancing from our typical social distancing. <laughs> well, you know the funny thing is, and we talk about that. You know, you're at the, the beach condo, uh, and and we've talked about this on the show before. Is that uh, we binge watched Shit's Creek the first uh, week. We watched a couple of short uh, series, Dead to Me, Afterlife. Apparently, uh, people passing away is is a theme for things that we want to watch at this point. Um, but we really haven't binged like a lot of people have. But we found, I found the show, and it's been on for a number of years, and I had no idea, uh, Beachfront Bargain Hunters, which is a show about people buying beach houses. But their, uh, their budget is typically $400,000 or less. Wow. So it's actually, you know, and they've done it in the, the Outer Banks of North Carolina was the first I watched, and we used to go there as a kid, some areas here in Florida. So it's one that you could watch and go, hey, all right, you know, because they're generally fixer-uppers and things. It's not the... million house on the beach that I'll never be able to afford. So that's kind of our binge watch now, right now. Wait until you get done there and you can go to Beach Hunters International, which is uh, down in all of those South American countries. They find Ah. beach houses. Yeah, see, that's probably a good idea as, as well. No, Some, come on, scaredy cat, Mark. You, you'd be afraid your body would disappear. You know you would. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't know. If I, if I was able to get, you know, if I was able to get something uh, in that price range, even if it didn't have uh, plumbing, you know, I'd certainly want to, to, to hang out there for a bit. But you're right. At some point in time, I'd, I'd be, if I'm far enough on the beach, then all of the, all of the, you know, the, the life, the, the, te- the teeming life in South America that would crawl out of the jungle and Good find Lord. me. Also, and I thought me. You were, your face, very kidnappable. You have a very kidnappable face. I think that's true. Yeah, you're right, John. There's no way I would do that. There's no right. way I would leave these United States for that. Unless hey, Mark, I'm going to London or Paris. Costa Rica? Eee. Eee. Costa Rica. No. You can get down there on budget airlines to Costa Rica. That'd See? Be, it's literally a hellscape for you. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to take Allegiant down to Costa Rica. Are you kidding? The odds are, you know, one in a thousand that I'll make it out of there. Yeah, but it's been... twenty bucks round trip. <laughs> I've binged a lot of things. I, I binged the Dead to Me the second season because I'd already seen the first season. Great stuff, really, that was really a lot witty, of fun. well written, and I love. I've Great said it before. I love the limited series, a uh, limited number of episodes on a series like that. Eight to ten episodes is enough to tell a story. Twenty six yep, episodes and, just greedy, and and those are easy too because they're you know half an hour show, so they're they're yeah. bite sized. Same with um, Fleabag. Finally oh. saw that. Oh, isn't it great? Oh Brilliant. my. It's beautiful. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's actually a beautiful, beautiful series. I saw that. I saw Dead to Me. What else have I seen? I finished uh, Maisel. Um, I actually. No, by the way, uh, I'll say this about you. Did you, you, did you know that with um, Fleabag that she premiered, she had a live show that that's based on, a live uh, stand-up wow. show. She premiered it at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival where you and I both performed. We she did. She parlayed her performing into yeah. an eight-digit deal with the studios and a couple of television series. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm happy because I get $85 this week from unemployment. And uh, I, I haven't even gotten that yet, but I'm happy that we had a cartoon made about us in the fringe. That's, we did. A comic, that's how folks. It wasn't late. an actual video cartoon. I don't want people to get too excited. No, but we did have a comic of our thing. Yes, it was. So when I finished The Office, I, I watched all nine seasons uh, this, during this pandemic at some point in time. So that was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm watching a lot of things, but I'm, I'm sort of running out of things. Oh, and I've heard about this broad church. Have you heard of this one? Yes, it's brilliant. Yes, I watched it. It was fantastic. Great. Excellent. Well, yeah, both seasons you saw, or are there yeah. three? I think there might be three. I know there were at least two, but we watched it some time ago. Terrific. The, the yeah. two most recent Doctor Whos are in that. Yes. And also Olivia Coleman, who's in Fleabag, and the star of Fleabag, I think, is in one of those seasons as well. I, I don't know her name, the, 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 the writer and the star of Fleabag. So yeah, it looks like if you wouldn't ask me, but uh... it's, it's OK with me, John, even though the subject matter is a little dark. Oh, it's very dark. Right. I know. I know. So am I going to be OK with this thing? No. But you need to watch it anyway. Oh, yeah, you'll you'll be okay, Mark. It's it's uh it's no, it's he, not real. You'll just have to take your. He can't he can't deal he he doesn't he he can't he can't put that aside. No, you won't read John Irving, my favorite contemporary writer, because it's just people. But but John, people die in the books. People die in life. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, no. deal with it. Now it's not that's not what I've said. I've said he just throws in random tragedy for the sake of it. John no, Irving. It's, I would argue it's not for the sake of it. I would argue it's not for the sake of it. I would also argue there's not another sports talk radio show that discusses the John, the books of John Irving because right now we can't talk about that. We can't talk about that. We got to talk about Jerry Jones offered LeBron the contract, and we will actually talk about that later. But first, I'm going to stay on time today or pretty close to it because right now we are, according to my clock, nine minutes fifty eight fifty nine. Ten minutes. Shut up. We can't talk about the open anymore. We need to move on to our progressive trivia. I'm 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 anxiously waiting. All right. Progressive trivia, folks. Going to give you these clues here. Looking for a major league baseball player. You know, I, I will say this. I'm going to stop this, John. You know, All it's right. it's it's like baseball's your progressive trivia jam. Yeah, it's like you. That's that's sort of all you do these days, whether it's the nighttime progressive or the or the showtime progressive. And I think I think I'm gun shy because I did the Earl Morrill progressive and Pete yeah. Zicky got it on the first go round, though you have accused him of cheating. And there there is an investigation uh, into that. Um, but it kind of made me yeah. gun shy of the, of the football ones because the, the baseball ones are easier to disguise a little bit to get people to think a little more than the football ones. I agree. Football is much more difficult. It's more difficult to write a good progressive. I agree. It is. You give away too much early on, and that's not what you want. No. Because I want people, at, at best, I want people to walk away from a progressive trivia going, not only did, did, did they kind of stump me, but there were a couple of things in there that I didn't know. When I did the Earl Morrill one, the fact that he played in the College World Series as well, I thought, I don't know that. And I've known about Earl Morrill now for the late Earl Morrill for almost 50 years, and I didn't know. Exactly. And that's, that's part of the fun. And, uh, and and because I gave away a little bit too much early in the, in in a few of those, like they were a Hall of Famer right off the bat, you know, I had to I had to kind of adjust. But ha it's a very satisfying feeling, John. I recommend you try it and 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 push yourself, <laughs> challenge yourself, and uh, you know, wow. uh, when you when you do come up with a because I did Matt Ryan the other night, which was a lot of it's fun. It's a good one. It's a good one. A and people just forget about him. Yeah, he, he's a guy that's going to be lost to history. Yep. And uh, anyway, go ahead. 
Speaking of lost to history, now we're gone over time and we do not have time for progressive trivia. So we'll <laughs> meet you again on Friday. No, Larry. Major League Baseball player. Uh, played over 20 seasons in the majors. Uh, played for three teams, all in the American League. Uh, over 300 batting average. Over 230 career home runs. Over 1,300 RBI. Led the American League in hits three times and in runs scored three times. Though not necessarily in those same years. One more, 20-plus, three teams, All-American League, 300-plus batting average, 230-plus home runs, 1,300-plus RBI, led the American League in hits three times and in runs scored three times. And I thought that was interesting, Mark, because um, that says to me, and just to give people a little, a little guess into that, if you, if you lead a team in hits three times and lead a team in runs scored three times, probably means there were a couple of teams you played on that were pretty good. Yeah. If yeah, you lead okay. it, it just hits or runs scored. But if you if you both and there is and it's right. not all in the same season, but they're overlap. That's saying you probably lived. Uh, you probably played on a pretty good team. And so, how many home runs again? Two hundred thirty plus. All right, very good. All so right, so there we are. Very good. Okay, that's my progressive trivia. You that's guys a good can, one. You you gave a lot of statistics. I gave a lot of statistics and a lot of things away. And uh, Jeff, it is not Wade Boggs. So that's the first guess. Wade Boggs, not a bad guess. Uh, but uh, it is not Wade Boggs. All right, now we're going to move on to this to this Bryce Harper. Now this probably offends Jeff because I'm sure he's offended by Bryce Harper across the board. No, um, no, that went away when my team won the World Series. It's a good point. The year he left. The year he right. left. Right. He's the Don Mattingly of the Washington Nationals. Uh, ad- addition by subtraction. Did not make the players around them better. Overrated. Um, but moving on. To his proposal for the Major League Baseball season. Now, I want to make sure that I get this right, because there's a lot to unpack here, Mark Ferreira. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. But basically what it is, is 135 games in 138 days, from July 1st to the 15th of November. And and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm doing these off the top of my head. Uh, He would have teams playing 13 days in a row, including on that final day, a doubleheader, two seven-inning doubleheaders. Not sure why you wouldn't just go to nine. I mean, I guess it's at, at that point, like you've already done the damage. Um, rosters of uh, 30, 30 players, six pitchers, uh, a six-pitcher rotation to keep, uh, and depending on what the team is, and you have some guys who might want to do short work. That's all kind of fun and sounds like, uh, you know, might be a little difficult to get everybody to agree on, but where it really gets fun is in his playoffs. Yeah, situation. And and it's a it's a round robin situation like the College World Series is what he he mentions. And so there that's why I push back a little bit on that long of a season, John, and really squishing those games together, because if you play one hundred and thirty five games, that's only, you know, twenty seven games left uh, less than the normal season. And 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 you could be eliminated, essentially, with a couple of, uh, you know, Three-game series, which yes. is what, what would happen. If right. it's a double elimination like like the College World Series, you lose the first one, you lose the second one, and you're out. Anyway, right. it's, it, it's a 10-team. Let, let, let's get into this first because I do. there's a couple things, and there's a reason why I think he went with 135 games. But it's uh, – I'm going to move my microphone situation here a little because this is so hard for me to read because I can't see anymore because I'm old. Round Robin, like the College World Series, 10 teams. 
You win, uh, play a three-game series, you win the series, you move on. If you lose, you go into a loser's bracket, all of the College World Series, and you play a one-game playoff to move back into the next round of games. And then once you get to the World Series, it's a seven-game World Series, you get two days off before the series, and those two days off, and I loved this. I thought this was brilliant. On those two days off, you do an all-star game and a home run derby. Yes. I thought yes. that was brilliant. Because Very fun. The all-star game, Mark, is it's it's a benchmark for a lot of us who are baseball fans who maybe don't have teams that are in the mix year-round and we don't have the time to give to watching a lot of preseason games. I mentioned this before. We're really dialed in the first month. We watch MLB, BTV, and ESPN for the highlights up until about the all-star break, and then we really check back in to see where teams stand, what are the playoffs looking like, and then we 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 get a little bit disinterested once NFL training camps open, but then once it's late August again, then we dial in for the playoffs. But I, lo- I love the idea that he throws those two things in because people probably more people watch the home run derby than any, any given game. Anyway, I, but, I agree. All I agree with your assessment of the 135 games seems to be a lot, and that also asks for a July 1st start, and I don't know that that's even a possibility at this point, that you could shave the season down. But I think that's a response uh, to people talking about the players wanting money, uh, it being a money issue with them. If you're only going to knock 27 uh, games off the schedule, then I think people would look at it and go, wow, these players are are, are, are truncating this season time-wise, but they're really giving you 75, 80, per- well, hell, I don't know. It's even higher than that. I was assured there would be no math. 85% of the games. So I think that was a response to that a little bit. Again, the regular season thing is one thing, but the playoff one I love because it gives you something you love, which is the one-game playoff. In the losers bracket. Well, it does, and and I do like that. But it but it is amazing. After 135 games, you can lose you you, you lose three and you're out. Now, granted, that's how it used to be with 162 games. The, the, the and that was the league championship series back in the day. It was best of five. Yeah. So literally, after 162 games, you could be out after losing three. Yep. For years and years and years. So I guess it's no different from that. And and the 10 team round robin is is a lot of fun. Oh. People can check in. That's the thing, John, is that people even don't check into series when they're early. No, seven-game series, I agree. Right? They don't check in until that for, for any sport, really, until it might be the finals or, 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 the, or the conference finals or, the in this case, the league championship series. But for the most part, people don't check in until about game four, game three, game four. So right. now everything is a best of three, which is a, an awful lot of fun. It keeps the interest peaked, and uh, I love the idea of the Pro Bowl-esque placement of the All-Star game, which is which is a lot of fun. And I also kind of like his idea of separating the two t- uh, leagues, if you will, into West and East. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is it just to make it a geographical thing that has a lot to do with the fact that we don't know that all these stadiums will be open. He even leaves it out there that we don't know 100%. We're not 100% sure where people are going to play. Um, Because they may not be playing in their home stadiums for a bit. Um, And again, with the July 1st start, which I don't think is possible, you know, maybe pushing it back. Obviously, more stadiums will be open. But I just think what what, what I really, really think is I think, again, you've you've now created a March Madness type situation. You've involved 10 teams in the playoffs, which I think is is important. I think what baseball is going to have to do, particularly the shorter the season gets. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. is involve more teams in the playoffs. Yeah, and I turn, agree with that. And turn it into a tournament. And I know a lot of people are like, well, that'll I mean, that, that'll mean that the World Series won't be worth as much as when a team played. You know, well, you could argue the old school ba- yeah. baseball people, which, you know, frankly, I don't have a lot of hopes with this uh, with this virus situation. But there's a I got a couple of hopes here that I probably don't want to pass along. But um, they're they're going to have an issue with it and say it's going to be an asterisk to the uh, to the season. And I think that's bullshit. I think what it will, will say is that baseball is something that people want and baseball is coming up with the best way to present it to them. Yeah. And maybe under terrible circumstances, present a situation that's different, but maybe more compelling in the end. Well, and again, you will have really earned it. Like March Madness, you have to win six games in a row yep. to win the national championship. It's not just one series or two series. With with this, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to win multiple two out of three game series and it's a double elimination it's like the college uh world series and you will have really earned it and again i corrected myself actually after 135 games you could be eliminated that quickly well that's happened before in major league baseball yeah and so it it wouldn't be the end of the world and i don't think you need to asterisk it because there's been other truncated seasons there have been other short seasons that there are no asterisks there now just because the postseason is different, that that shouldn't mean anything either. Right. The, the postseason was different between 1969 and 1968, uh, and 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 then again in 1995 as opposed to 1993. Whenever they change the system, it's different from the year before. So there's no need to asterisk. And baseball is always afraid to do that. I think because, and we've talked about this, and unlike any other sport, the numbers are so sacrosanct in baseball. Yeah. And, and I mean, like the fact that none of them you can look, they will even tell you that statistics from the early 20th century may not be correct. Yeah, I know. And it's OK. We've had this before. In 1981, there was two 50 game seasons. In 1995, there was 120 games or whatever it was once they solved the, the strike. And in 1994, there wasn't any postseason. So it's happened before. It can be fine. The stats can survive. It'll be one of those years where, you know, you look at Mike Schmidt, say, and you see, you know, 40 home runs, 40 home runs. And in 1981, he only hits 20. What happened? Well, it was a strike shortened season. Right. And then you're done thinking about it. Right. You could keep, you have to keep two thoughts in your head at the same time. These are the numbers and these so, are why the numbers are different. I just think later in July, a, a little bit easier schedule. You know, I do think the 80 games is much more realistic. And they just have to figure out the they just have to figure out the pay structure for this. Yeah. I do think that if Tony Clark uh, wasn't a clam and he is in my mind, uh, he, he would look at the long range picture like we talked about in an earlier episode. Look at the long range um gains that the players can make if you go ahead and quote-unquote kowtow to the owners for this particular season and make it about revenue sharing. Lock it down of other things, you know, other problems that you would f- foresee at the next collective bargaining session. Right. Get rid of that. Take care of those now. Give them this. And, you know, we'll get this in the potpourri, but I'll do a little tease on this. You know, the former player head of the union, former player rep for the players union advises the players 
to go ahead and make sure the season happens because and even if even if they're in the right, they're going to be the ones that are viewed as the spoiled athletes. Should be mentioned, that's also my favorite baseball player, uh, my favorite more contemporary player, Rod Carew being my favorite baseball player of all time. And that segues into, no, Mark, Rod Carew is not the answer to our progressive trivia. Fair enough. But not a bad guess. Not a bad guess at all. All right, we're going to move on. It's time for progressive trivia. Our second set of clues, let's remind you of the first four. 20-plus Major League Baseball seasons, played for three teams, all in the American League, over 300 batting average career, over 230 career home runs, over 1,300 career RBI, led the AL in hits three times and in runs scored three times. Our second set of clues, won a World Series, seven-time All-Star, Played with Sal Bando and Raleigh Fingers. Played with Sal Bando and Raleigh Fingers and has a postseason batting average of 368. So clearly, Mark, unlike Tony Clark, not a clam. 368 batting average in the postseason. Bando and Fingers, seven time All Star, and won a World Series. Yeah, those are good ones. Those are good ones. I think. I think I might have – I feel good about my guess, John Pelkey. Your guess is incorrect, but it is oh. a very good guess. It is not Robin Yount. Ah, not right. Robin Yount. Very nice, though. Very. That's a, that's a good guess. Very. <laughs> you're a knowledgeable guy. If, 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 I was, uh, if I was in the club, I'd be going close, though, right? Close. Yes, you would. Close, though, right? <laughs> no, you would have walked by uh, on your way into the bathroom. It's not it's Robin, not Robin Yount. Yount. And then waiting for me to go, yes, it is. And then you go, well, I got it right. And I'll go, no, 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 you said it wasn't. Not only did you get it wrong, you could not have gotten it more wrong, frankly, right. in that situation. <laughs> All right. So that's so there it is. I'm glad I'm glad I've stumped you up to this point. Um, yeah. But we, we move into our potpourri, and it really is somewhat of a continuing conversation about what we were talking about before. And that is uh, we'll go ahead and we'll start with the former head of the Players Union, Tom Glavin. Yeah, uh, who was my favorite player for a long time and interviewed him. Also a really good guy, a really smart guy and a guy who really, Mark, needs to be listened to. Because to your point, he was the head of the players union, uh, the, the player head of the players union. Yeah. He was the, head of the union uh, back uh, when uh, baseball struck in uh, 94. Yep, 94. 94. I always want 94, 95. Um, but he's come out and said to the players, essentially, be careful. Yeah, because rightly or wrongly, people look at this and the players are the faces of the game, Mark. And I think that's part of it. The owners, general managers, not the faces of the game, no matter what Jerry Krause would like you to believe. Um, And he said, be careful getting into an argument that's simply over money. Because and, 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 and while we say follow the money, they're not always just over money. But if that's what it appears to be. This could build up a lot of backlash, negative feelings towards the players. A couple of things to unpack there. Um, first of all, I agree with him completely. Because of all of our years at the, at the club, we know that um, people, uh, one, if you say you can change one thing in sports, ah, salaries are too high. They never say the owners are making too much or that it's twenty two fifty for a beer at a stadium. It's always the players are making too much money. So, yeah, he's right. The other side of that, though, is um, should he be right? Is it the right opinion to have that if they're arguing over money? Because there are two sides involved here. And the, the idea that it's millionaires, your athletes versus billionaires, 
And that great joke that I think uh, Chris Rock used to say about, you know, Michael Jordan, correct, Mark. Michael Jordan is uh, rich. Guy who owns the Bulls, I guess it's Jerry Reinsdorf at the time, he's wealthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go back to my favorite quote ever, I think, from any film, which is from Barbarians at the Gate, an HBO film about the takeover of uh, RJR Nabisco. Uh, Michael Jordan has fuck you money. <laughs> Baseball players have fuck you money. Owners have fuck everybody money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you I can't agree, get into that, that, to your I point. With- you, we, we, we know you can't get in. You can't make that argument to the average fan, though, John. That's the thing, to your point. They're not only the face, but no one cares about if a millionaire is fighting with a billionaire. They only care. Uh, the, the people only care about no game. And that's what Glavin is saying. If baseball doesn't play this year like they didn't play the World Series in 94, it doesn't matter what position the players are in. If they are on the complete moral high ground on all 18 issues or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And he is speaking from experience. He was the player rep for the union. And I agree with you as well, John. It's like it makes so much sense to say, listen, Major League Baseball, we'll give you what you want for this season. We're, we are going to take the high ground and we are going to play. And and we are going to make baseball happen for the, for the good of the game and for the good of the country, for crying out loud. Uh, but you need to give us these long-term concessions. I don't know why. A guy like Tony Clark, well, it's because he's not Robin Young. That's the reason, John. It comes back down to it. Just comes down to that he does. He performs at its worst when it matters most. Well, at least he didn't do too well in 2016. We'll see this time. But the other thing I want to bring up about that is, you know, when you talk about negotiation, and I'm a guy you do too, like to read a lot about politics and I read military history. People go, you know, negotiation you have to meet in the middle. You never meet in the middle. Somebody always gives a little more than somebody else. But Tony Clark is in a position at this point to perhaps give a little more than he would like to in this by playing the long game. And it may benefit them in the end. But I think both sides, I think Glavin's right about one thing. I think both sides, if this comes down to being nothing but an argument about money and it looks just like they're both being entrenched, in, in I can't say that word, entrenched. It's not the word I was looking for, but in their positions. Yes. Thank you. Um, that uh, the fans, there will be a backlash with the fans. And like I don't was. agree with the people yeah. who have said a couple of them said, you know, baseball has been hemorrhaging fans. Well, I don't necessarily believe that to be true. But I think it is true that baseball wants to appeal to a younger demographic. And I think if they lose this entire season over a money argument, that's not going to help them. I'll tell you, John, too. Baseball is the one sport, in my opinion, that could also traverse all kinds of political, partisan, feudal, tribal, tribal, feudal, uh, like feudal camps. It, it could it could traverse all of that because everyone from Gavin Newsom to Andrew, Andrew Cuomo to President Trump all want baseball back. Yeah. And if baseball comes back and it looks like the players and the owners, you know, kind of bucked up and carried, you know, and carried on and did what was right, uh, I I think it will help baseball fans. And to your point, the tournaments, regardless of if if it's Bryce Harper's or Major League Baseball's plans that we've talked about a few episodes ago, regardless, it's going to be 
uh, it's going to be an exciting postseason that's yeah. going to draw more fans and more national ratings than in the in in the past. So. And I think it'll get people excited for spring training next year. And I think, you know, with a full baseball season coming up, if if we're indeed able to do that for 2021, um, I, I just think it would benefit everybody. And I think they will come together. I really do. Um, but I just caution everybody out there when there is a, a, an argument about money it, 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 that it, it comes from both sides. It comes from both sides. It, it does, but n- that never takes. No, it really doesn't. That it never you takes. You know why, Mark? Money. You know why? Because the average yes, guy, we all think he'd we be can, a major league baseball rich. player. He could be, or well, and the average guy thinks he's going to be a. Ba- if right. my junior, if my junior high, if when I was nine, if that coach hadn't hated my dad, I'd be in the majors right now. And that those are the arguments that you're you're up against. Right. And if I was in the majors right now, you know what I would do? I would play. I'd play for free. People Kurt that Blood think they know Kurt what Blood. they would do. Kurt Flood said that years ago, and I think it was uh, somewhere in the interview. He's like, you know, I get it. The average guy looks at a baseball player and goes, I would give anything to be a major league baseball. That looks like so you're playing a game for a living, not realizing that those guys have put in more time in their craft and or vocation than any of the rest of us would even. If you and I barely put in 10 minutes work in anything that we do. Good God, could you imagine all the years you have to put in to, to get to be that good? All right, let's move on to another story, and that is a short period of time on, because uh, you, you brought it up, uh, Ben Ben Roethlisberger video, getting his beard uh, trimmed up a little bit. He looks uh, better. He, he does, Yeah, he does look a little better. More importantly, uh, and that's become a thing because now the governor, he wasn't supposed to get his hair cut, blah, 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 blah. More importantly to me is out throwing the football, and looking like he is healthy and everybody agreeing that Big Ben looks healthy. And uh, I, as loath as I am to get into predictions for the season, because we don't there's so much we don't know. Um, I thought it was interesting that Ben put that out there because there's been a lot of talk about him being done and that the Steelers might be better off trading him when he has some value. Yeah. At this point. Um, but that's a team that underachieves at times. Well, uh, I think they overachieved last year, ironically, without Ben. We, yes. We, we, uh, they were down to their third or fourth string quarterback at times. They were banged up everywhere. They were eight and five at one point, John, in a, in, in a prime position for a playoff run. Happened to lose their last three games. But even an eight and eight season for that depleted team was an overachievement. But yes, prior to that, they have underachieved. And I think a lot of that falls on Roethlisberger's shoulders, to tell right. you the truth. And I think he's and, hearing that. I think he's heard some of that, really. And so, yes, he's violating, you know, but he's that guy. He's the guy that would violate it. He's the guy that would. Oh, the history of violating. I'm, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a he's a scoff law in the worst sense of the word. You know, some scoff laws are romantic and, and right. kind of fun, you know, Doc Holliday types. Swashbuckling. You know, yes, exactly. He's a gunslinger. And now, not 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 Roethlisberger. He's the worst kind of a scofflaw. He's the he's the guy in the Western who like pays off all the gun guys again. And once they all get gunned down, finally the hero has him Roethlisberger pinned in his house after he's you know used his power to to, to, to just crush everyone. And we get that we get that last scene of him finally yeah. getting his comeuppance. That's the kind yeah. of scofflaw that he is. Yeah, he's the he's the powers booth. Uh, of Tombstone, not the you know the Doc Holiday of Tombstone. Right. Oh, that's excellent. Very nice. Well, well done. All right. Yeah. So that, that's all the time I want to spend. I just think it's interesting because I think the reason that Ben Roethlisberger did this was because it's I think just, he's hearing some of that. I think he's heard some of it. 
And I think Pittsburgh could be a formidable team if he has, a, you know, kind of an old school Roethlisberger year. It'd be a lot of fun to see. Yeah. And I do want to see, speaking of the AFC North, Chad, formerly known as Ocho Cinco, oh. going to a restaurant, John, going to a restaurant that's recently opened. Cuban place down in South Florida, apparently. It, it is Florida. Yes, sir. And it was a $34 tab and he gave her a $1,000 tip and said, I know it's been hard. I hope this helps. You know. Those kind of stories, especially from a guy like that who's had such bad press for so, you know, for huge swaths of his career and life. It's nice to see. He's been his own worst enemy at times. But I, I, I do think, at, at, you know, at, at heart, he's also done some nice things. And this was a really nice thing to do because we're we're going to lose a lot of restaurants through what's yeah. happening here yeah. through no fault of their own. So I do I do hope Florida is actually starting to uh, and the counties are starting to come up with uh, money to give to brick and mortar establishments to keep them open. Because, you know, if you saw pictures of and, and they've started a, a, a revival, but like downtown Detroit a number of years ago, which is boarded up and everything. I mean, that that to me, that's a, that starts a snowball thing rolling downhill. And then all you get to steps in then are the uh, well, the Roethlisberger's types where they basically just, you know, a lot of leverage leveraging some hedge fund stuff and they're buying it up uh, right. and pushing out, uh, pushing out the essential workers, by the way, now that we know who they are. Um, so it will, uh, it, that is a good story. The other story is that uh, apparently back with the NBA lockout a number of years ago, uh, LeBron James has mentioned that he, you know, he's thinking of maybe, maybe becoming a football player. He's a very good high school football player until he stopped to focus on uh on basketball, and rightfully so, but that Jerry Jones had offered him a contract to come and play for the for the, for the Cowboys. Your feelings? Well, what's the what's the position that they would offer him? Well, I think he he was a tight end. I think tight end would make sense. Receiver, or or like a linebacker, maybe an outside linebacker. I think he'd be pretty good at it as well. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, maybe, but I'm just thinking. Six nine. You have, you have a guy with 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 great hands like that. Yeah. Um. And that kind of uh, physical body control ability and all that, I think he'd really lend himself more to an offensive player. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's a different type of uh, we saw this in the Jordan documentary, which, again, I'm talking about way more than I would like to. The last dance. But uh, he'd really have to change his body type more, I think, to play defensively. Yeah, I think tight end would probably be the best. That would that would be a lot of fun to think about. A lot of fun to think about. Now, your Jeff? team your team was really one of the – oh, I'm so sorry. Did you want to bring Jeff into the – No, 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 but go ahead with your point. Well, your team was one of the first to do that, to go after a guy many, many years ago back in the 80s, to go after a guy who was not a traditional football star. They went after Ronaldo Nehemiah, who was a an Olympic-caliber uh, um, track and field guy. He was mainly a hurdler, uh, Nehemiah, one of, the, one of the best in the world. And that actually worked out relatively well for San Francisco. Eh, for- I would say as a fan – I don't think it did, really. I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure what you're – I don't ever remember him making a big play <laughs> like his entire time out there. I, th- I think like a Bob Hayes, Dallas did that maybe. But Bob Hayes also played college football at A&M, I believe. Okay. He was fast okay. man. He's a track guy and a football guy. But okay. Nehemiah went to Maryland, and I know he didn't uh, – I know where Re- Ronaldo Nehemiah went to college. I don't know what day they pick up the trash at my house. I am literally a okay. waste of oxygen on this no, earth. well i mean come on i how okay before we get to jeff how often now normally you're pretty self-loathing self-loathing as a, as am i just yeah. in our normal day when we have work when we're distracted with work where we're making money and we're we're doing things we love 
you know, we're, we're still spending a large portion of the day in our head self-loathing. But now, now, what's the percentage, John? I mean, I know you're doing some yard work. That's probably got to make you feel a little bit better here and there. Your wife probably enjoys that. But still, what's the percentage of time in your day where you are <laughs> just realizing what you just said, the waste the self-loathing. Uh, I think a solid 86% of the day is given yeah. into just uh, wondering why I polluted this world for the 55, approaching 56 years that I have. I know there was that one character in Fleabag, you know, and he, he, he just said, I'm just such a disappointment of a man. Yeah. I thought, oh, God, yeah. I, I relate to that dude more than any other character in this show. Absolutely. Jeff? That's our new podcast, A Disappointment of a Man. I, what do you got for LeBron? Am I self-loathing or uh, LeBron James? I think Let's uh, to... I don't know if he's fast enough to be a wide receiver. He would be like a Gronkowski type uh, tight end. Yeah. That would be interesting to see. That would be fun. That would be fun to see. I'd like him in any jump ball situation, though. Yeah, make it, Six, make nine. it Here, here's a here's a reference mark that only you will get, and is I think seventy years old at this point. He'd be an R.C. Owens type of player. Ooh, yeah. And I I think you're right, John. They invented the alley-oop, I believe. They that, sure did. That, was, that whole, because R.C. Owens was very tall, rangy, had a lot of, was able to jump. I think yeah. I think he'd be great then if you could, spe- you know, kind of in red zone jump ball in the end zone guy. I'll tell you, it's interesting because that, that was, uh, you know, the 49ers were a passing team. The quarterback was always an important part of that team and, and that identity of that team from the 50s on. And, it, and, and, and still remains to this day, whereas you look at the Bears, the identity of the Bears is middle linebacker. You go from Butkus to Singletary to, uh, to Brian uh, Erlacher, exactly. Uh, you guys, maybe I don't know, offensive line. I'm not sure, but every team seems to have a position yeah. or set of positions that sort of travel with them throughout the years. Now, obviously, these days everyone wants to have be quarterback centric, but yeah, the, the Niners, you know, in the '50s were were throwing a lot and inventing new ways of of scoring, and R.C. Owens was a big part of that. Yep, absolutely. There it is. Look him up, folks. Google him. Lost to history. R.C. Owens. R.C. Owens. All right. What What's not lost to history is our progressive trivia. Mark Ferreira has guessed it already for the first eight clues. So I'll give you those. And there really are a few more clues than eight. I've kind of packed a few together because I thought this was a difficult one. So well done by you. Um, uh, <laughs> let's give you your first eight. Then we'll give you the final four. 20 plus seasons in, in, in uh, Major League Baseball. Three teams all in the American League, 300-plus batting average career, over 230 career home runs, 1,300-plus RBI on his career, led the AL in hits three times, runs scored three times, won a World Series seven-time All-Star, played with Sal Bando and Raleigh Fingers, a 368 postseason batting average. He's a Hall of Famer. He was a World Series MVP. He was fired less than a year after becoming the American League Manager of the Year. AL Manager of the Year fired 11 months later. Good Lord. It's like hockey, Mark. Yeah. Um, and uh, played with Robin Yount and Cecil Cooper should be your giveaway there for this guy. Um, so keep guessing, and we'll give you the answer in a minute. Um, now, Mark, I uh, give you a moment to mourn. We're going to move on to the segment of the show that you didn't want to do. Yeah, it's fine. Just ta- talking about broadcasters. And broadcasting in general. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we uh, 
we are actually running over. We can we can we can make this really, really short. Um, it's because we talked about prior to just give people an insight into this. We call parlor games. That's one of the things we call when you talk about uh, the Mount Rushmore of any top three players from that team, blah, 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 blah you know, those sort of stories. So. Um, you throw it out. It rubs you the wrong way as a rule. It's it, kind of neat you to yeah. you as a rule, isn't it? It is a little bit. And you threw it out today. Uh, I think quarterbacks, maybe. And yeah. I, I, we've we've sort of discussed that a little bit. I I, I know we did coaches a, a while back. Um, and then you said major, you know, the, the teams. top major league teams. And, and, and my response to that was, I don't want to talk about the Cardinals or the Yankees or the Dodgers. So that one's out. Because yep. that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about those. Yep. And, and then the... very few other teams. Yep, that's true. The Reds, maybe. I don't know. I guess the Cubs. Um, and I then no the one wants to talk about the Marlins or the Diamondbacks. <laughs> no. And why would they? <laughs> right. Seriously. Right. I mean, outside of, of the... a very small area in Arizona. Well, the thing about those teams are it's really funny. Like the Diamondbacks and the Marlins, all four people on Mount Rushmore could have actually played together. Given the short history of, yeah, of success and just their short history of being a franchise, so I brought up broadcasters. Uh huh. Now this this rubbed you the wrong way. Tell tell me why. Okay. First of all, my exact quote was that it doesn't. It, I don't have a passionate excitement about it, like eighty plus in terms of yeah. my excitement level. My excitement level is in, in the mid seventies, perhaps the low seventies, is what I said. It doesn't mean I don't like it. It doesn't mean it's even met. It means it's just something that we, to me, in my mind, we've sort of been over this. Didn't we have a poll question about the favorite? We did about your favorite about your favorite broadcaster. I don't know that we went to the the Mount Rushmore, but you made a great point about the Mount Rushmore. And this uh, this is uh, uh, it's holds true almost any time you insert the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and that is, it seems like we can all agree on three. Exactly. Exactly. But it's the fourth that you yeah. have the discussion about. And I was thinking about um, Mount Rushmore for broadcasters. Right. And I think we all agree, Vin Scully. Sure. I think most of us would agree, Keith Jackson. Probably, yes, sir. For- um, Pat Summerall would probably be there. He, he He's right there and or John Madden personally yes. be, because of what he because of how amazing h- how fresh that was at the but at you can't the time. have them both right you can't no i don't know why we make these arbitrary i've now decided you literally ha- no 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 it's like i don't believe that you can have a greatest hits album as your favorite and one of your favorite albums i, just I agree don't believe, i don't believe I mean, you're allowed no, although you allowed me to do that one time when I said uh, Bob Dylan Greatest Hits Volume Three, you said, "You know what? Volume that two. one works." Volume Two. I won't give you three. I'll give you two. Vo- that's what I. That's what I meant. Watching okay. the river flow Mar- opens it. Marv Albert. <sighs> Regional. Really? Uh, I don't. I, you mean? I guess Vince Scully's kind of regional too. If you're saying Mark no, 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 is no, regional, no, 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 no. What region would no. people not know about Marv Albert? Well, I think people would know about Marv Albert. I guess. I guess I just see Albert as such a New York guy. Yeah, but I mean, and, he's, and, and, he's been the voice of the NBA for a yeah, long time. Yeah, I think time. that's why I don't care. I yeah. think that's why I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what about um? 
Mar- yeah, Marv Albert. Marv Albert is a good one. Uh, and I like Stones, Marv Albert. I yeah. just wouldn't put him on the Mount Rushmore. I like Marv Albert quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of basketball, that's a tough. What about you know, like a, a Dick Vitale? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the and that's with the with the Madden too. I put those in the sort of the personality yeah. thing versus the yeah. broadcaster thing. Though uh, both of those guys, I think, did as much as anybody broadcast-wise to popularize the sport that they're broadcasting. It's funny. I think Dickie V was a big reason people love college basketball. It's funny, too. I think that the the biggest no-brainer in my mind hasn't even been mentioned. How would Cosell? Nah, Cosell's... More of you a know, sports caster. It's, well, it's just that so many people hated him as a broadcaster. Yeah. I think his... his um, the effect that he had on broadcast, and I think he was, uh, I think he was an outstanding boxing uh, commentator, one of the best. He has more than uh, because, one unforgettable calls. Yeah, he. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, and Al, if you're going to do Al, uh, if you're going to do unforgettable calls, Al Michaels. Yeah, I think Al Michaels has to be mentioned. I, I think Al Michaels has been at it so long. Um, yeah, and, and, and Costas though isn't. Doesn't and seem to be a, a play-by-play guy. Is more of a more of a studio host guy. Yeah, I, he was good at that, and I think he's a pretty pretty good uh, baseball play-by-play guy. Though I have I have some issues with that. Yeah, with him as a baseball play-by-play How about guy. Brent Musburger. I I I really like Musburger as uh, a college football play-by-play. Absolutely. Guy. Um, but I don't and, think he eclipses yeah. Keith Jackson. No, I don't think so. But he's also NFL. He's he's also he has really traversed all kinds of uh, different sports. Plus, he's a had a major career as a studio host as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's I I like Musburger. I always have liked Musburger. I think the thing about Musburger that an argument for why he is so good is because I'm a uh, a University of Florida fan with the UF. Um, Riley Claremont, good, our good friend Riley Claremont. Um, been on the show before, will be again. Um, Miami fan, obviously growing, uh, living here in Florida, a lot of Florida State fans. To a person, everyone, myself included, believe that he was biased against our team. And right. I think that is the sign of a good broadcaster. Right. Because I think it probably means he played it down the middle, which is not what any of us really want when our team's involved. Oh, so I, I agree. Think, I think Musburger gets a lot of credit for that. I think, um, you know, I think Joe Buck is up there, frankly. I think he's very good. People hate him, and people think he's always against them. I think right. his dad was great, too, Jack Buck. Yes. But I, I, I think I could go with Jackson, uh, Summerall, and, and uh, Scully for, for, the, for the big three. And then the fourth, you know, I think Albert has, I think there's an argument from Marv Albert. Yeah, no, I, I think there is, too. I just think Albert, uh, uh, particularly, I only equate to the NBA. Yeah. yeah. And Scully did baseball, but Scully did other sports as well. He 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 was uh, he was the lead play-by-play guy on the NFC Championship game between the Cowboys and the 49ers, the catch game. Yeah, and Keith Jackson did baseball. Keith Jackson did, uh, if you look at it, I think Keith Jackson, if you watch some of those old, like, 77, 78, those Yankee Dodger series, he was doing some of that. I believe he was the play-by-play guy on the very famous one where Cosell's, and Chris Chambliss has just put the New York Yankees, uh, given the New York Yankees the American League pennant. I think Jackson's the play-by-play guy on that. 
Um, and then Musburger obviously has done uh, many different sports as well. Al Michaels is a good one. But once again, I think we come down to that fourth one being yeah. an issue. And if we set aside the Cosells and the Maddens and the Dickie V's as guys who are personalities on the broadcast versus uh, broadcasters, um, I think Michaels, I think you have a good argument for Michaels. Not only does he have signature calls for the in the bracketing the 80s at the beginning of the 80s was the miracle on ice at the end of the 80s was the uh, earthquake world series yeah oh yeah that he, that he called his baseball pedigree is unbelievable his yep. football pedigree is unbelievable he's done sunday night football and and he's he is still he and uh chris collinsworth are still probably the number one broadcasting team out there and he did he did you know he did uh, hockey he did uh, olympic hockey the guy yep. There's a real argument to be made for Al Michaels being the fourth guy because he traverses a lot of sports and he's excellent all all of them. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he may be. At, I think of all the guys we mentioned, he may be. He, he may be the most versatile of all yeah. the guys that we've mentioned. But Pat Summerall too. Let's remember he did the U.S. Open tennis for right. many many years. He did the Masters. Yeah. Um, for for years, Summerall was. You know, he did everything at CBS Sports. It wasn't just a. Uh, as a play-by-play guy, and he's a guy who started out as a sideline guy, moved on to a color uh, commentator, and then moved into the booth. So I think this has been a much more entertaining discussion, Mark, than you had hoped it would be. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping that it would fall flat on his face. No, I never hoped for that in our shows. No. At I, all. But, you know, you kind of, there's a little bit. There's was, obviously a little bit where we like to think that one of us knows more than the other. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But, you know. We, we we both try well at least I, I'm assuming I and I think you do John that you uh, you try and go with your better angels with with all of yeah, that stuff usually uh, I uh, I do think that this is a, a pretty good topic and it and it turned out to be a pretty good discussion and well, Marv and Albert I, I never even thought I never even thought of Marv Albert till uh, no, Jeff brought him up no and I'm I'm actually reassessing that because I just think about how much again that. Um, the fondness I have for the NBA in the 80s because it was more appointment viewing, you know, NBA on N- NBC. And uh, just I can hear, obviously, the the the, uh, the soundtrack, the song, which is did John Tesh write that. Am I right in thinking that I believe John Tesh may have written that? I think I he, may have. He, I may, think have. he may have. I think he may have. But but uh, and then Albert's voice over that. I mean, that is a very. You know, part of it, and we talked about this, there are periods of time where you're more invested in the sport. So I think with broadcasters, you're more invested there as well. But uh, it's a good discussion. And I think what it comes down to when you talk about the Mount Rushmore's for for broadcasting yeah. is versatility. So maybe maybe Michael's name should be. I, I, I don't think anyone we discussed. I mean, another name could pop up. But anyone that we've discussed, I think he's the he's the guy right now that I would slot into that fourth yeah, and uh, I think a lot of people hate position. Joe Buck. I, I think a lot of people hate Joe Buck. Uh, there are a couple of reasons. He had that really horrible show on HBO, which showed you know, being an entertainer and being a broadcast. No, it was terrible. He was terrible at it. No, it was I know. bad. It was horrible, horrible, right. horrible. It was bad. And honestly, again, if there were a uh, a just God, he he would pay, he would pay the price for it. So again. I think he has paid the price with people's opinions of him based Maybe. on a, you know, short-lived, tragically flawed show. It was so horrible. I mean, how many how, how many episodes did they even air? Like four? I think, I think three. Okay. And that was three so, those are, that's three hours I'll never get back. And I don't know why I watched the second one 
after the first right. week. It's horrible. I think they've destroyed the tapes. I don't, I don't, think, I don't it, think you could judge on that, though, because the Data Carvey show was only six episodes, and that could be argued and it was as fabulous. one of the most fantastic no, shows it, ever. Oh, my God. One of the funniest things ever. There's a documentary on that show, by the way, Yes, that I really. recommend everybody look it up. It's great. It was one of the funniest things Too good I've to never fail? seen. It. Is that what it was called? Too big to fail? Yeah. Too good to fail? Uh, it was too good to fail. Too funny too to fail. Too good not to fail. Too, too good funny, not to fail. Too funny to fail. Something what like era? That. What date era did that come out in? Nineties. Okay. It was in the nineties. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember watching it in my uh, the townhouse I used to live around here in the in the nineties. So yeah, it, the the first episode of that's still one of the funniest things I've ever ever seen. Um, so I highly recommend Steve Carell on that. It's great, Mark. Watch. Oh, wow. it. We'll go off on this this tangent, and we probably shouldn't because we have to get back to our progressive trivia, which Mark Ferreira was uh, was able to figure out. And good work out of you. And, and I, thank I you appreciate it. Good one. And once you announce it, I'll tell you why I had an edge over I, Jeff on this one. And I think it's obvious. All right. Age. Exactly. Okay. No, that's exactly. Plus. What's that? No, I, I that he was playing when I was in my peak of paying attention to baseball. Okay. 21 years. He covered he covered a lot. He spent a whole generation in the game. All right. 20 plus years in Major League Baseball it was 21. Actually played all three teams, all of them in the American League. Uh, Milwaukee was in the American League at that time. Minnesota and Toronto are the teams. Uh, 300 plus batting average, 230 plus home runs, 1300 plus RBI led the AL and hits three times. Run scored three times, won a World Series, seven time All-Star played with Sal Bando and Raleigh Fingers. I, was, I thought I'd get more. Mays and A's uh, guesses. 368 postseason batting average. Did not play with those guys with the A's, by the way. Um, in the Hall of Fame, World Series MVP. AL Manager of the Year and fired less than a year later. Played with Robin Yount and Cecil Cooper. Of course, we're talking about Paul Molitor. Molitor also, Mark, it, it made the first guy in the Hall of Fame who predominantly was a uh, uh, was designated hitter. See now, I never, I never attached that to him. He was designated uh, hitter with uh, Toronto uh, when he right. uh, when he got his World Series MVP, and I think for more than half of his career, he was considered uh, more of a uh, designated hitter than a position. Well, that's interesting because I think his where I really remember him is with the Brewers, sure, and I think too. probably the predominant. Uh, uh, or the majority of his all-star game appearances probably came when he was a position player. So I, I, I think of him as that way, as opposed to an Edgar Martinez kind of guy. Sure. Yeah. You know, or even a big poppy who, who obviously had some time at first base, but primarily was a DH. I just, when Uh, I was, when when I was, when I was deep diving into Molitor, because he was a player that I really liked, I had an opportunity to interview him too. Good guy. Yeah. Um, Very good guy. And a really good player um, and, and a good manager. God only knows uh, what they were thinking with that. But um, he, uh, uh, everything that you read about him when you talk about the Hall of Fame, it's like first guy who's predominantly a a, That's a, a DH. Um, so there it is, Paul Molitor. Guy so I'll, a, I'll tell you what did it for me, John. You know what did it for that? me? It was Albando and Raleigh Fingers. Because you knew, you knew. Uh, well, I think most people know Fingers went to Milwaukee. I, I thought Bando would throw people off. And since both of those guys were part of that early seventies A's team. Yeah. No, uh, Bando and fingers. Uh, I thought, okay, let me, let me think brewers. Yeah. And, and you, first, you went first with the out, which is interesting. Yep. yep. Because most people do. Yeah. Yeah. I went with the out first because Yount to me was a more 
uh, you know, flashier, if you will, right? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, uh, and uh, shortstop uh, and defensively, he was also a guy who uh, was you know multi Golden Gloves and stuff. So yeah, I think just a more uh, easily recognizable player. Molitor, more workmanlike, but a Hall of Famer nonetheless. Absolutely. But a reminder uh, of our poll question. Sorry, did you have more? No, I had nothing more. All right, fair enough. I just, you just seemed like you wanted you wanted to say more. No, I have nothing more because I'm looking at the time and it's like, my goodness, we could literally talk for three hours and it would, you know. Well, we we actually have not. We're we're, we're just under an hour right now. Fifty nine oh. six clock continuing to run, and that's Beautiful. why I'm going to rush through the closing because I'm going to. Tr- I won't button it in an hour because now we're over because you had to ask questions. So there, that's that's typical. Here we go. It. Here so we go. bad. Uh, but our poll question here is: Here we go, Mark. Mark, that that really should be the podcast. Here we go. <laughs> Every time one of us goes off on one of our just ridiculous flights of fancy, here we go. It's oh, hold on. There's a knock at the door. Well, hold on, let me get that. Oh my gosh, look who it is, Jerry Krause. Oh, people bought tickets to see me. I'm Gary Krause, man. All right, just uh, Jerry Krause stopped by to say hello at the end of the show. And it's so interesting that he would just say mayonnaise. He would just say mayonnaise. Well, because it's the first thing that comes to mind for Jerry Krause, mayonnaise. Um, Our poll question was uh, most heartbreaking loss, either game or we've stretched that out to series as well. um, Because uh, I I, and I know I, I devastated by San Francisco losing to the Angels. Did we ever come to the. Yeah, was that that devastating for you? That was a big one because they were so close. Five nothing lead in the seventh inning, and they had never won in San Francisco at that point. I really wanted Barry Bonds to get a ring, and um, and that was rough. That was rough. That was as if the baseball, you know, the baseball overlords had said, you know, we cannot give Bonds a World Series. We just can't do it. And uh, it's not going to happen. So uh, Scott Spezio, who, 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 what random person, Gene Tennis-like, can we get to somehow be a speaking World which, Series hero? Which, yes. The 2011 World Series, they were replaying the David Freeze game last night. And I've forgotten that game. And we, I don't know if we have any Rangers fans, but twice Rough. the Rangers with a 3-2 lead, they were one strike away in the Rough. ninth and I believe the 10th. No, oh, yeah, and they had a two-run lead in both of those innings. Yes, and couldn't finish it off. Rough. It's just, boy, I tell you, that's that that's more heartbreaking. I go to the '79 Orioles, and it was like we were a better team, and blah blah blah. But boy, that one had to be so difficult for a Texas Ranger team that now is a footnote to history. But Ron, Ron Washington's Texas Ranger teams were very, very good and championship caliber baseball teams yeah two consecutive alc two consecutive pennants for crying out loud that was a very very good team and uh yeah a lot of disappointment as i mentioned in my live hit yesterday was that you know you're a sports fan long enough you're gonna have a handful of these things that just break your heart it makes the good ones you have to have a couple of heartbreaks you do because yeah it makes it sweeter when it when when you get past it i mean you guys as capital fans and you, John, as a as a Cavalier and a Capital fan, for crying out loud, my goodness! 
and, and you know, and, and I had plenty as a Skins fan, and I know our good friend Riley Claremont, you know, to, to break them down, see, was it the Sea of Hands game? Is that the one? That yes, it is. Prevented them from going to a fourth straight Super Bowl, maybe winning a third straight championship. Then there's the, the shovel pass game when Dan Marino probably had the best chance of winning, and the Buffalo Bills just came up with a game plan that their defensive coordinator, Tom Olivadotti, literally could not could not figure out a way to stop. I mean, they're just, if you're a sports fan long enough, you're right, Mark. Yep. You have them, and I really do think you have to have them because if you don't, if you're a, if you're a, a, a Red Sox fan and you've only grown up during the era, if you're a New England sports fan, frankly, from 2001 on, you haven't, yeah, had, if, you haven't had the heartbreak yet to really enjoy the, the, the victory. If, if you were born in 1995, if you're 25 years old, and you were born in New England, you were six when that run happened, started for the New England Patriots. So right. essentially your whole uh, cognitive life, you, you have been in a city and an area that has won championship after championship in all four sports. And what are the heartbreaks? I guess the heartbreaks uh, yeah. are obviously the two Giants uh, victories in the Super Bowl over your Patriots and yeah. then the, the, the Eagles victory. Um, but even those, if you look at it, God, you've won so much. Uh, the 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 perfect season, spoiling the perfect season in the Super Bowl, I would give you. But I would say the other one would be 42-year-old Tom Brady going on playing somewhere else. And you don't even know, we don't even know yet whether or not that'll pay off for the Buccaneers. Or maybe the, maybe the Patriots dodged a bullet there. How and Brady about, comes out, he looks all of his age this year. How about the fact that you just mentioned three times that the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl. And they've still won more than they've lost. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. At the point, you get so greedy. You can't get so greedy. It, so it, it's it, tough. Yeah, in that child's life, nine times his team's gone to the Super Bowl. And wow. in that 25 years, they've won. The Red Sox, who hadn't won in 86 years, have won three World Series. And yeah. the Bruins. And the Celtics. You know, exactly. and the Celtics went to a couple of NBA, NBA championships. I mean, yeah, you haven't earned you haven't earned your <laughs> fandom if you're a 25 year old kid who lives in the New England area. That's it. That's it. That's how you we haven't earned it. Show. If you're, you don't if you're, have the right, you don't have the right to be a true fan right now. That's right. You don't because if you don't, if you if you haven't had your heart broken, you don't know what it's like to fall in love. So there you go, people. That's that's how we're going to end it. Hey, thanks everybody uh, for listening. Remember the poll question is most heartbreaking loss. You can uh, you can send us a voice memo on our email, which is podcastafr at gmail.com. You can also chime in on Mark or my page. Uh, remember there'll be a progressive trivia coming up a little bit later today as we're as we're working around. We're going to go. I guess we'll go with five again today. We're trying yep. to find out the best time to have progressive trivia. Congratulations, my friend Brian got last night's. We'll see what happens uh, moving forward. Mark, anything you'd like to say in conclusion? Uh, no, although this was pretty fun, John, considering you did not know what you wanted to talk about. Yeah, this turned out to be a pretty fun show. I, I um, Jody asked me, she goes, well, how do you feel about the show? And I said, um, I, I, there's nothing I want to talk about. I'm horribly unmotivated to get in there and talk about it. So I said, pretty good chance. This is going to be a good and fun show. Yeah. Because it's, it's only when we set our expectations yep. above near disaster <laughs> that it falls apart. Again, John, when whenever we've been thrown something at the ESPN club, or we, we, we had to adjust, or we were, you know, or we had literally five minutes to think about what we were going to do, 
Um, no one told us we'd be up on stage for three hours at the first ESPN the weekend. Whenever we have those kinds of shows, we're at our best. Not if everybody, they say, hey, we got you lined up for Hall of Famers. You've got, we're giving away a, a Lamborghini, blah, blah, blah. That show is going to tank. We're not going to be know what to do. It's just going to be mediocre. Yeah, it will. It, it, it will. won't even be a bad show. It'll be just like, eh, eh. Yeah, because we only step up and we're true Americans. We only step up in the time of absolute and utter disaster. Things <laughs> are going too well. Yeah. You know, they, no, no. Well, John Madden said that about Kenny Stabler. He said if the game was going too well, Snake lost his uh, – he, he didn't really pay attention much anymore. He lost yeah. his edge in those situations, and that's that's yeah. you and I. So maybe we yeah. should move forward with this podcast not even giving ourselves things to talk about. Right. Well, you know, that's not, not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. We should try that. We should try different – and then let people chime in. All right, folks, today Mark and I have this we – ha- we have it – timed out to the second and we're not going to we're not going to deviate from that or anything we've got two guests we've got it's just going to be and then the next one uh i'm about four bourbons in mark hasn't slept all night he had to drive to new york to pick his son up and he had 36 hours to get to manhattan and then back before he did the show uh Jeff's like wrapping electrical tape around open-ended wires in in a, in a grass hut in the middle of a field, broadcasting off the hotspot of his phone. And Best then show that ever. Would be the greatest show ever. Best show ever. Yep. That's just how that, we're, we're typical Americans, John. In the end, we're typical Americans. Oh, house is on fire. Better do something. Well, you know, <laughs> six months ago, you got insulated. Screw that, loser. Snowflake. Thanks to everybody for listening to yet another edition of After Further Review. We will be back on Friday. Be safe, everybody.